everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subron. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. Surging inflation in the U.S. is eating into the excess savings households accumulated during the COVID-19 crisis. Will this reverse the great resignation in the job market? We find out in this episode with Patricia Pelayo-Romero, insurance and ESG expert at Allianz SE. Hello, Patricia. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Maria. Thank you for having me. So to start, can you tell us about the U.S. job market in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis? What is this great resignation that everyone seemed to be worried about? Yeah, so the, the great resignation is an ongoing economic trend in which employees have voluntarily resigned from their jobs en masse. Um, it is also known as the big quit or the great reshuffle. Um During the pandemic, primarily in the U.S., there was an unprecedented churn of the labor market. In the beginning, there was a rise in unemployment, as you might remember, of up to 15% in April 2020. It was crazy. Um, But it was all due to uncertainty. And then, as the restrictions started to ease and the pandemic started to uh, wane a little bit, unemployment started steadily falling and is currently now at a very decent pre-pandemic level of uh, 3.6 as of uh, March of 2022. Um, Among the probable causes, we find that uh, wage stagnation amid uh, rising costs of living in the U.S., um, long-lasting job dissatisfaction and safety concerns of uh, the the COVID-19 pandemic uh, were some of the reasons why uh, they decided to voluntarily leave the labor market. Some economists have described uh, this great resignation um, as akin to a general strike. There's this um, sense of dissatisfaction floating around. The latest point, the latest data point that we have is that there are over 10 million vacancies in the U.S., down from a high of 12 million last summer. And we estimate that compared to normal labor market times, um, there are about 2 million missing workers in the American economy. Um, However, in this paper, we explore a different, very interesting factor, um, a wealth effect. Uh, By wealth effect, uh, we mean um, this notion that when households become richer because of a rise in asset values, um, such as, uh, you know, corporate stocks or uh, home values, they decide to spend more. And this can stimulate the broader economy. Um, in this case, there was this um, increased cash um, from the pandemic, and this was coupled with um, higher asset prices. The stock market was booming, um, and there was uh, also an increase in real estate prices. And this created a general expectation that this pent-up demand would materialize into a great Gatsby sort of roaring 20s in which households would just spend. Um, However, this time around, the wealth effect manifested itself in a very different way. Households opted not to increase consumption, but to withdraw from the labor market. And so this is interesting because you write that, you know, the shockwaves of war in Ukraine is what could 
finally spark a reversal, right? Why why is that? Yeah, I mean, we, we as uh, I mentioned, we we have yet to uh, to experience this great Gatsby flapper twenties uh, that uh, we were um, at least I was hoping for. Instead, we are facing a riskier world uh, where the war in Ukraine has left many households vulnerable. Um, this is due to ener high energy prices and high food prices. They were already high at the end of last year before the Russian invasion in many emerging and developing countries. But the situation uh, has worsened by, and has been worsened by the war in Ukraine. Um, Ukraine and Russia were literally the world's bread baskets and energy suppliers of Europe. Um, food prices are now 34% higher than they were uh, this time last year and have never been this high since the food and agriculture organization started recording them. Um, similarly, um, crude oil prices have increased by around 60% and gas and fertilizer prices have more than doubled. So we have this uh, food and energy uh, crisis that we will uh, continue to experience uh, in the coming uh, months or uh, even next year. Um, this will unavoidably be transmitted to households. And so how, how will that work exactly? Are there any specific profiles of workers that uh, will be affected first? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when we looked at uh, the excess cash that households were holding or uh, the booming asset prices, um, there are um, aggregate numbers that um, mask a very harsh truth. Not all households accumulated cash equally during the pandemic. So when we um, look at the lowest quantile, the average earner only accumulated around 1.4 months of salary, while the highest quantile disposes uh, um, of more than uh, has more than 3.5 months of salary. Um, and we also find that there is this asymmetric exposure to inflation. So if I'm uh, if I want to put it into perspective, if the largest share of expenditure of the lower quintiles in the income distribution goes into food and energy, which are now the items that have the highest price increases, um, your resources will be depleted faster. Um, be those resources income or savings. Basically, the the poorer households spend much a much higher share of their income into this basic necessities. And with the increase in prices, they will for sure be left more vulnerable than, um, than richer households. So the rebelser of the Great Resignation goes a little bit like this. Um, the savings buffer of the lowest quintile of households will be depleted in roughly uh, 3.5 months. While uh, we estimate that it would take over a year for the second quantile and for the third and fourth quantile, the savings buffers could last until 2025 or 2028 for the highest quintile, which means that uh, the missing workers from the lowest uh, income households will have a strong incentive to find the job given the current high levels of inflation. Voluntary unemployment is only possible for the richer households as per usual. Um, so yeah, taking into account the demographic weight of each quintile of incomes, um, 
the lowest income quintile accounts for 35% of the households, followed by 22% of the, for the quintile number two, 16% for quintile number three, and 13.4 for quintile uh, four, and around 13% for quintile five. Um, so if we assume that a full depletion of the excess cash of each category is needed for them to go back to the labor force, um, we estimate that it could take around two years to see a full normalization of the U.S. labor market. And what does that mean for the U.S. economy as a whole? So what it means is that basically the um, employees are... Um, trying to apply uh, for jobs in different firms, and they want to spur some sort of wage competition between their current employer and their prospective employers. As a result of this, um, labor markets become, labor becomes more expensive to retain or to hire. And uh, this creates a tighter labor market from the perspective of employers. Um, We need to do more research on the real reasons behind the desire to change jobs among U.S. workers to determine how persistent these inflationary pressures are likely to be. Um, because there is this um, wage price loop in which um, wage higher wage prices might feed into inflation. Um, however, you need to learn Um, employees back into the labor market and possibly a, a solution for this uh, would be to uh, target and, and intervene at those uh, those reasons why they left. So it might have been in search of higher benefits. It might be in, in just a general discontent and um, coming up with solutions for that might uh, help loosen up the, the labor market. All right. Well, thank you very much, Patricia. I'll speak to you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too, and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode. 